I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Happy 2009, and I wish everyone the best during these pretty tough economic times. Everyone's kind of scrounging for jobs and money, and I know it's tough, so my heart goes out to you if you're struggling right now. I think the best thing you can do under these circumstances is just put your focus on the people you love and care about. Because if you do that, you'll realize how meaningless money can be and just how important those people are to you and the joy you have in life. If you're spending your moments with those people, enjoying the relationships that are there, then I really truly believe you can't be unhappy. I suggest you give those people a little extra time and you might just find out it's not so bad after all. Alright, now that I'm done spewing all of that gooey, heartfelt stuff, we can get to the real reason why you're listening to this podcast, and that's to hear the strange, twisted things that come from my mind. So, you won't be disappointed with this story that I have to share with you. To sum it up, it's about dead things that come to life that sing. I'm just trying to get you to set your expectations very low so then I can smash them with the brilliance of my story. Alright, this is episode 34 of The Dark Verse and it is entitled The Song of Dusty Hearts. When I was young, my grandfather often brought me to the burial grounds of the Nethpa, and every time he led me over some barren hill, or down some hidden trail, or through some thick forest, he would share with me how I might find such a rare and extraordinary place. The resting grounds of the Nethpa can be found all around, the middle of a prairie, the center of a deep cavern, the dunes of an unending desert. But most never know they are there, he would tell me. The site must be undisturbed. By first glance there should be nothing unusually noticed. But after giving it a second look, and knowing what you are looking for, those of the cunning eye would be able to discern the speckled dust. At this time... My grandfather would stick his hand deep into the soil, dirt, or whatever rested beneath him, grab some, and hold it up so I could see. While my curious eyes burned into the contents, he would slightly shuffle some free. He then continued speaking, and there, almost as clear as white chalk against the pit of a blackboard, the ashes of the Nethpa can be seen. There was only one rule my grandfather had while visiting the Nethpa. No singing. 
Never sing to the ashes, he always said. The Nethpa have hollow hearts, and the sound of music fills and enlivens them. It reminds them of their deaths, and allows them to act against them. They are not of the violent kind, but they, like any, would choose life over death. My grandfather ingrained the tales of the Nethpa into my memories. His words, like scripture, remained legible upon the unvanquishable pages of my mind, recallable in any moment's time. I did not know who else knew of the ancient race, but I knew I was their disciple and vessel of the continuation of their historic existence. Before my days were through, I had to pass on, just as my grandfather had done with me, the remnants of the Nethpa. It took me nearly thirty-two years before I found the Nethpa on my own accord, thirty-two years from my last outing with my grandfather. By chance, on a day hike through the forests lingering behind a family-frequented cabin, I spotted that which my grandfather had taught me about so many years before, that which had been stored so permanently in my mind. When I returned to the cabin, I had once led my two sons and my good friend Bradley back to the location hidden in the stunning picturesqueness of the wilderness, the home of my childhood heart. We arrived at the close of the day and the birth of the night. There was wind. It swooped low and swift with finesse about us, coursing through the crevices of our clothes. There was light. An orange moon hung low on the horizon, bulging with mysterious intention. And there was death, the hidden graves of a long-forgotten people resting beneath our feet. The landscape gleamed with pallid substantiation. The four of us stood in a small clearing about three miles from the cabin. Trees surrounded and hung over us like elder giants lost in prayer. But even with these pillars of forest protecting our space, the wind funneled down into our position, flowing among us with cold greetings. This is it, I said. My awe was not shared. Only my eyes were accustomed to the discreetness of the terrain. Look, I continued, crouching down to the soil and picking up a handful of it. Bradley, shine your light here. A flashlight's beam crossed paths with the soil, and all could see the speckled discord of colors. The Nethpa, I said, pausing, before continuing with words from my grandfather, almost identical to his own. What was supposed to be an enchanting passing of odd histories became an evening of nightmarish possession. Never sing. That was the only rule. But it was broken. Not intently, but ever so minutely, proving the insatiable thirst the Nephtha had for those melodies barred from them. Bradley, not thinking, slipped into a humble, innocent hum of precarious notes. I noticed almost at once, and bid everyone to run with me as fast as they could into the vast depths of the forest, but it was not soon enough.
As we rushed towards the barrier of the trees, I heard a haunting hymn of unearthly sounds coming from behind me in the clearing. When I turned, I saw little Stevie, my youngest son, standing there, facing us, singing with a voice I knew he did not have. Come the full Alicia. Come the fortunate Stevie! I shouted while I ran to him, but I could not reach him. When I came within the proximity of my son's face, I lamentedly shrieked and could progress no further. His lips had curled inward into his mouth, wrapping hideously around his teeth, the outlines protruding. His eyes were tucked back into his head, creating caverns before them of shadow and horrific space. His tongue whipped back and forth to the rhythm of his voice. Before I could react beyond the grimacing shock of my son's mutated disposition, I felt a presence tug along the sound waves of my rampageous squeal. It was as if the noise leaving my mouth became a tangible fishing line hooked to an insufferable prey. As I took in the breath following my audible outbreak, a thick, incorporeal lump of disturbed, apparitional life briefly stuck to my throat before plummeting into my gut, wrenching my body with unintelligible dominance. My own eyes slid back, my own lips curled around my teeth, my own tongue leapt into the unsettling animation of foreign song, harmonizing my new voice with my son's. Bradley fled in terror and dissolved into the forest. But Kurt, my elder son, would not leave his beloved family. He came to Stevie and I, only to unwantedly be brought into our chorus. We sang for ages, so it seemed, while we kept awareness of those things dwelling inside us and controlling our bodies. But eventually, the horror of our predicament worsened. The entities singing through us became agitated when the stamina of our sound proved less than satisfactory. The wavering tones of our voices and the weakening vibratos of our inflexible throats forced a discomfort upon the Nethpa, a discomfort that caused them to wickedly act outside their natures. My sons and I became hunters as our bodies were led into the forest after the disoriented trail of Bradley. It was a long journey, but we found and assailed him before the sun had risen. Sing us back, we told Bradley. Sing us back, sing us back. Over and over again, as we held him to the ground, we chanted those words into his ears. 
He pled and cried and whimpered beneath us, but we would not stop demanding of his voice until he gave in. How? he screamed. How do I do it? But we could not tell him how. We ourselves, the Nethpa, did not know how. Sing us back, we said, sing us back. Bradley could not do it. He could not free those revolting things, my grandfather's precious things. When the Nethpa could no longer sing nor speak through us, when our mouths had withered and dried beyond immediate repair, they gripped our hearts and the beats that there prevailed. But even our hearts failed. Even our hearts could not withstand their demands. And so we were all freed. Bradley stayed with us long into the new day. And when his courage finally came, he sang to our poor helpless bodies a sweet tune of reminiscence and love. And that concludes episode 34 of The Dark Verse. Go to thedarkverse.com if you want to listen to all of my past episodes. You can also download them on iTunes. Add me as a friend on MySpace if you so wish. You can go to myspace.com slash thedarkverse or myspace.com slash sharkchild. You can add either of those profiles as your friend. If you want to contact me for any reason, let me know how my stories are. Uh, just be buddy-buddy with me. You can do so by emailing me at sharkchild at thedarkverse.com. Some other good news is that the volume one of the Dark Verse book is moving along and should be going to print by the end of this month. Yes, it's exciting. I'll keep you updated when I have that book in my hand. I will definitely let you guys know so I can sell them to you and put my little signature on it so you can enjoy it. All right. Have a great next couple of weeks until I meet you again in the pages of the Dark Verse. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.